Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. My guest today is from Drag Race Down Under, and it's etc., etc., I practiced saying that. I I finally said it correctly. (laughs) We talk about what it's like being a drag race girl living in the wily outback of Australia. Um, It's not for the faint of heart, Australia. There's lots of terrifying creatures, and um, etc. tells me all about it today. We also have some theories for why um, many, many Australians share a similar endowment. Um, But you're going to have to listen to the episode to hear all about it. So hunker down, buckle up, strap in, and sink your teeth into some new hijinks. M. Oh. M. Mom! Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by a fellow RuPaul's Drag Race queen, but they are known for being down under. Oh my god. Joseph wrote this intro. I'm so sorry. It's etc. etc. Hi, etc. I can't That's- believe I just threw um, Joseph under the bus like that. I'm sorry, Joseph. <laughs> My That's- producer does so much work, and mm. and I just immediately um, scapegoated him. So. <laughs> How are you That's doing? Okay. Sometimes we need a scapegoat, especially in these trying times. I think we need to be throwing more people under the bus. I think it's uh, it went out of fashion for a while, but now I think it's time to bring it back. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. We're actually both in the same country, believe it or not, um, listeners. Mm. <laughs> I know that you're, it's very easy to believe. Actually, <laughs> I, I know it's, it's interesting because you're just a you're just a bit further away, so the time zone difference is like half an hour. It's like the shortest oh, right. time zone difference in the world. But Australia, since it's so big, I suppose like America has different time zones. I always talk to people in tiny countries like the UK, and they can't comprehend that a country could have a million different time zones in it. <laughs> I um I'm terrible with geography, okay? Mm. And I uh, I'm just it's not one of my strong suits. And so I just kind of remember things in general terms, and I mm. always forget that like Australia is big enough that there's all these different time zones. And then I, you know, because the accents are somewhat similar to UK accents, I'm like I start getting things um, mixed up, like what things I know to be true in the UK versus 
in Australia. Is any of this making any sense? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to let you live in whatever reality you're in. And I think that's, I think that's positive. I think it's positive. I, to like, just... I mash up the details between the two countries because, you know, you, you in the UK have a history. Okay. You have a history. We can't say that. You know, you're not I know. Part of the Commonwealth. <laughs> oh, I mean, we try to forget it, but uh, I, I, I get that. A lot of people say that the Australian accent's really similar to the UK one, but for Australians, I'm always like, that is, if I had to think of an accent that is as different from the Australian accent <laughs> as possible, I would think of a UK accent. So the that's really is, interesting. The thing is, is that I, I don't hear the two accents as being similar at all but i know so many people who go back and forth between australia mm. and um the uk it all just becomes mashed potatoes in my brain and Which it doesn't help that i lost two days to travel last week and i'm you know kind of propped up with bubble gum and scotch tape right now so um how long have you lived in australia your whole life <laughs> all my life <laughs> yeah i um i was i was born i was born here and and grew up all the years that i've been alive in australia and um i i, I actually <laughs> all the I have, years i've been alive <laughs> i i like it i do i really i really do there's some people that live here and they and they hate it and they you know they're they're like, I need to leave. And they go on holidays everywhere. Um, uh-huh. But Australia, every time I go away or go somewhere and I come back, um, I, lo- I love it even more. It, it really is. I love living in Australia. It's, I am, I'm a proud Australian, if I can say that, without being attacked viciously. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say these days or ever, really. Um, I mean, I've just never like been like, America, fuck yeah! Uh, <laughs> but I have always been very proud to be from the Pacific Northwest, and I love it there. You know, um, America, Australia, they're both very big countries. Um, do you find that people differ um, wildly from like major city to major city in Australia? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think, I think people, they group, they group all Australians in the same, like, happy go lucky, like, either they're either surfers, or they live in the outback. They're like, there's no, there's no in between. Well, I don't Um, like to generalize. But in my experience, all Australians are tall, hung and barefoot at all times. I mean, that's true. That is true. That's not a generalization. That's true. Um, But I, I grew up in Canberra, which is the capital, the capital city of Australia, but it's it's a tiny, it's a tiny city. It's got like 400,000 people. So it's, it's one of the smallest cities in Australia. Um, and it's very liberal. It's very like um, left wing, tiny little town, all the governments there. Um, and so when I was growing up, I was like, oh my God, Australians are meant to live at the beach. I live in the middle of the mountains. This makes no sense to me. Um, so I've, I, I've always, I've always not fit in with the Australian. I can't even swim. I, I can't swim. So the Australian stereotype doesn't fit well with me. <laughs> so do you, have you been to America? Have you gigged in America? I've been twice. I went once before, um, the big C and then I came back for LA drag con just being, um, uh-huh. and I've, I've been both those times. First time I went to LA and New York and this time just LA. Okay. So you've experienced two of our big cities, like our, you know, like our definitive cities. And because American culture is um, forced upon the whole world, whether they like it or not, I mean, uh, (laughs) I feel like all English speakers are like inundated with American culture, if only the Kardashians. But um, (laughs) I wonder if you could like give us a parallel uh uh what city in America would you say Ca- Canberra is most like from what I understand you can go completely and, off of stereotypes and um, I will go off of stereotypes people have told me it's like Washington <laughs> DC okay yeah a lot I of public government services, mm-hmm. public service, um, that kind of vibe. That's what I've heard. Um, lots of coke. When people come there, Lo- oh, lots, lots, lots of coke, lots of coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex workers in the bathroom. Lots of sex workers, lots of cocaine, and it's also the porn capital of Australia. 
It's the porn capital of Australia, and it's where all of our country's fireworks are made. So it's like porn, fireworks, um, coke, sex workers, the government. I mean, er, hand in hand. It's like a, it's a, <laughs> the delicious soup. <laughs> the delicious broth yeah, yeah, that yeah. runs the country. <laughs> um, okay, I think I've I think I've got a sense of. Am I saying it right, Canberra? Canberra. Canberra. Yeah. Can- well, they say Cam- the bearer. The bearer. Can- Canberra. <laughs> Canberra. Canberra. Um, I love the Australian dialect so much. I mean, but the problem is, as an as an actor who loves imitating voices, it's really hard for me not to just like, I have that terrible, terrible habit of just saying things back to people in a crude approximation of their, of their dialect. My husband points it out a lot. He's British and he points out that I'm constantly just repeating things he says. Uh, he thinks it's mockingly, but I think it's cute and charming. <laughs> I get this special little treat every time I, I have been to America. I, I go out and I, I chat to my friends and meet up with people. And the first thing they'll always do is mock my accent. I, I, I landed and I went straight out in, in WeHo and, and one of my friends saw me and I said, I said, hello. And they go, hello. <laughs> instantly oh, back to me and I thought oh here we are it's gonna be another three weeks of people <laughs> Americans of are way. just the worst we, yeah. we just can't help but like just you're different <laughs> like that's what that's what it's like it's it's I, so <laughs> apparent it's so funny I and and as well like I, I think Australia is quite isolated and we we forget that um we forget that people maybe have different different perceptions about Australians mm-hmm. if they haven't ever been to Australia before. But people mm-hmm. definitely meet us and all of a sudden they're like, I have so many questions to ask you about <laughs> everything. Because I, I found out last time I went to America, a lot of Americans have never travelled outside the United States. A lot of yeah. people I met there were like, I've never left. Um, whereas Australians, we travel around a lot. We, we love to travel. I didn't know that about Australians. Yeah, we do. We we like, but a it's so difficult nation. to travel. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> when Dela and I were on stage a couple nights ago, we were complaining about our thirty-two and a half hours of traveling, and I don't know what ex- what like response we expected from the audience, but we didn't get. <laughs> we got a bunch of <laughs> people in an audience just looking at us like, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. that's what we all deal with constantly. And we're kind of and sick. Then- <laughs> we're sick. We're like we enjoy it. We enjoy it. I always, we always talk to people, and when people come and travel here, and they're like, "Oh, we took we took a sixteen hour flight." We were like, "That's nothing." I took a twenty six hour flight through <laughs> through Singapore and Dubai just to get just to visit Ireland for a couple of days, and then I flew back <laughs> by Germany. We're sick. Australians like to complain about how long things take, how hot it is. Uh, we love to complain. We're the nation of complainers. It's wonderful. Well, um, but I, I have to say my experience with Australians is, um, kind of what you were saying before, like everyone's happy go lucky. Um, y'all have a neutral face, like a new, you know, like, you know, resting bitch face, resting Mm. Australian face is, um, just like the tiniest little, like politest little smile. (laughs) I went to college with an Australian and he, he, he just like his neutral face was just like, "Hi, how you doing? You played knifey spoony before." Um. I think I think it's because I think it's when we're not in Australia and we're visiting other places, we're so happy just to be experiencing something else that our face just sets. We're like we're like kids in a candy store. Um, I don't know. I've met I've met some real nasty. Australians, so I can't. I can't speak for all of. And what them. city are they from? <laughs> oh, all over, all over. All over. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about drag in Australia. Um, mm. I've been coming to Australia for years, but most of the work I did early on was at the Fringe Festival. So I was meeting a lot of circus performers and burlesque people, and um, you know just all the crazy kooky characters that come out for a fringe festival. Um, But not a lot of drag queens. Uh, What would you say is the like, um, 
what's the uh, iconic flavor of Australian drag? What do you get in Australia that you don't necessarily get elsewhere? I think there's I think there's two like distinct schools of Australian drag. Okay. Um, there's there's Priscilla. There's the high camp, um, showgirl, feather headdress, Priscilla kind of myth that exists in Australia that <laughs> queens queens create because they know the audience is there and they they'll get booked and they love doing it. And then there's the really um, underground, dirty, kind of like filthy, disrespectful, um, <laughs> down under punk Australian drag. Mm-hmm. And um I love when the two combine and they and they kind of coexist and mix all the time. You'll have these beautiful showgirls who do these gorgeous shows and then they'll go and do a filthy like 2 a.m. club show. Okay, so there's a harmony. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and there's crossovers. There's people who do both. Yeah, absolutely. And something in Australian <laughs> like drag culture, which is massive. And I'm not sure if this is an offensive term, but I count myself as one so I can say it. Um cross-dressing is a massive part of Australian drag history and Mm. Australian drag culture. And a lot of Australian drag is not super, super high glam fashion pageant. Mm. It is just chuck on a little dress, a little bit of a wig, go out and entertain. And that, if you look back through history, a lot of Australian drags come from that. I suppose like the UK, more of a panto tradition um, Mm. rather than the full glam um but then it's it's evolved that way as well so does the term cross-dressing have a different um um what's the word Uh, (laughs) a different connotation in australia than it does because in where we're at with the term cross-dressing i think in america is it's more specifically um referring to like a, a a sect of the kink world. It's more like straight identified men who like to dress up in not like drag, but like, mm. you know, natural, na- what, uh, what a natural woman might wear, or maybe um, kink or fetish gear for intended for a cisgender woman. Um, and it's not necessarily straight identified um, men, but it's more of like a, it's more of a kink fetish sect than it is yeah. um, like a gender identity or a sect of the drag world. So is, is it different? <laughs> I, think, I think it's a, I think it's a bit more tongue in cheek. I think they, okay. I think they I see, use I see. it with more of a um, tongue in cheek connotation. Like me and my friends, when we were starting drag, would call each other crossies. That's like, <laughs> uh, as in like an endearing term. Um, and we'd say like, oh, are you, are you going to go cross dress tonight? And, you know, we'd be, mm-hmm. I would be getting up in like pretty high glamour drag, but I, uh, Australian humor is quite self-deprecating. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we call each other dogs backstage all the time. Like you walk yeah, backstage yeah, yeah. and you go, hi, you dog. Um, <laughs> So I think it comes from that. I think for a while, tradition. Courtney was calling us um, rat ass moles. Oh yeah, moles. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And that's the one thing when I was backstage in LA doing shows, um, I would I would say things backstage. Someone would be like, "Oh, you look so great," and I'd be like, "Oh, I look like." a hot mess tonight. I look like a dog's dinner. And they'd be like, no, you look great. And I'd be like, oh, I'm being sarcastic. Like, I know I look good. I know I'm just being <laughs> self-deprecating. And the sense of humor doesn't always translate um, when I've done mm-hmm. shows in America. They think I'm actually, I actually hate myself. No, I think I'm amazing. I'm just, you're meant to play along. You're meant, yeah. to, you're meant to insult me a bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm constantly insulting myself too, but I think it comes more out of a, uh, um, I got to laugh at the demons or they'll take control of me. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think Australia has been forged out of demons. I think there's uh, Australia. <laughs> well, Australia you is are a... all descendants of criminals, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just, so many different cultural things and so many taboos and, and horrible parts of history and the way we've treated our, our first nations people and mm-hmm. so many cultures clashing and intersecting. I, I think that Australian humor has had to laugh at a lot of, a lot of dark things to make, make everything all right. We're also, you know, geographically isolated, very um, 
difficult country to live well, in. It's, like it's a difficult country to live in. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Is I I think your like the Australian attitude is probably forged somewhat out of. Sorry to steal your word forged. It was so good that I'm going to steal it and say. Take it. No one owns words. If I were to say where you were forged from, no. In the but, fires. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> fiery pits of Mordor. No, that's yeah. New Zealand. That's um, New Zealand. That's different. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like it, especially when it was like you know when the the civilization of um you know the, like we said the the criminals sent to australia back in the day the conditions were so harsh to live here that only like you know the survivalists like survived australia for a long time correct like <laughs> you're probably I mean, even- all even still, it's like like so many people I know that live regionally or they live in the, they live in the middle of the like absolute nowhere. Um, you know, two and a half hours to drive to just go to a, like a store, mm-hmm. and a lot of people in Australia do live like that. Um, and the country, like the natural natural disasters that we deal with here, and the floods and mm-hmm. the fires. I mean, oh my god, they're all getting worse. I'm, it's just like Australia is not an easy country to live in if you have never lived here before <laughs> um people it's a lovely place to holiday to but it is a very harsh country um and yeah i mean yeah i think it's kind of camp though there's something camp about yeah. like at all and that's why australians are so super like i don't know they love a sense of humor because there's so much so much going on you've just got to laugh to say i don't think i learned much about australia in american public school you know i learned a lot about england because of Mm. our own messy past i don't know if you heard but uh, (laughs) we go way back every one or two people you may know each other So I learned a lot about that. You know, I learned a handful about um, Canada and Mexico because they're our neighbors. Australia was just always kind of like, I always learned things about it through um, pop culture and, you know, trickle down uh, UK culture, you know, because I loved um, British comedies. um, And, you know, there's lots of cracks about Australia and absolutely fabulous and other (laughs) shows like that. Then I started coming here for work and, um, you know, suffice it to say, I've seen a lot of hotels in Australia and a lot of backstages and a lot of gay bars. And I think I've done a couple petting zoos, but I haven't gotten. Oh, out have you really held? Ex- have you held the koala? Have you done the hold the koala? I think it's hold the koala, but I did shake hands with a kangaroo. They've got little to, hands. I've, I've got very <laughs> strong opinions about kangaroos. I I hate kangaroos. I, hate I heard them. they're jerks. They're so <laughs> rude and they're violent. They're violent. Um, they they try to drown people. It's it's they're actually really dangerous. No, 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 they're really dangerous. And tourists always come here and they're like, oh, our friendly, you know, kangaroos are the friendly ones. Like fully grown male kangaroos are like, to to paraphrase for the American listeners, six like six seven feet tall when mm-hmm. they like stand up and they've got these sharp claws on the ends of these super powerful legs and they'll try to grab onto you with their front legs and then kick out your guts. That's what they try to do. They're awful. And then once they do that, they push you down like and try to drown you in like the river. I hate them. They're such, they're so nasty. Your whole country is filled with creatures that don't want you here. How's that make you feel? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. My, no, my humor no, I, keeps going dark today. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I agree. And I'm I'm just, I'm thinking about, because I'm like, when I went to America, um, I, I climbed up the Griff, Griffith Observatory and mm-hmm. um, someone was like, you've got it. You can't come here at night. You, you, you've got to go before that happens because there's mountain lions. And see, that yeah. really shocked me because we don't have any mm-hmm. like 
We don't have any predatory animals. We don't have anything that uh-huh. will eat you. you All of our have... animals are just nasty because they feel like it. They're not. <laughs> they're not attacking you because they want to eat you. They're attacking you just because they're jerks. They're horrible, <laughs> nasty. Well, yeah. I was also thinking about the spiders. You know, so you got kangaroos trying to kick your guts out, apparently, which was new information to me. Mm. Um, one time I was here and we, uh, um, my music partner, Major Scales, my best friend Kenny and I had just finished watching Jurassic Park. And then we look up on the wall and there was a huntsman spider the size of a, like an hors d'oeuvre plate. It was so big. <laughs> We didn't know what to do. Spiders freak me out. Once I, it's mm. like they don't. They do and they don't. Fast moving spiders scuttling towards me. I'm gonna scream and freak out. Like a calm tarantula in a in a cage is fine. Or a cage, a terrarium, a tarantularium. <laughs> <laughs> but this spider, this blew my freaking mind. And we had just watched a whole movie about like dinosaurs and, you know, mean creatures attacking humans. And we turn around and there's a, a fucking... <laughs> Yeah, people think it's a joke. People think it's a joke. They're like, oh, the snake and spider thing, it's a joke. But, like, no, I have vivid memories growing up of, like, unfolding the rearview mirror in, like, no. my mum's car and spiders just falling out. No, <laughs> like, no, no. Yeah, it's like It's like this This country is a haunted house, um, but it's just full of, like and, – and the thing about huntsmans is they're so, they're so um, large, but they're also so um, – they're so dexterous, so they can squeeze into really small spaces. So you'll like, you'll open like a drawer, and like they'll be there. I'm like, how did you get in? Um, Oof. Yeah. Oh, so sorry okay. to traumatize everyone. I'm really the well, Australian Tourism Board is going to commend me after this podcast. <laughs> They're going to say thank you for advertising our country's native animals so beautifully. Um, everyone will want to come here. <laughs> so, um, you know, I we're both from the drag drag race extended family <laughs> the international mm. sisterhood of the traveling uh, wh- whatever <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think of one article of clothing yeah. that every drag queen wears uh, there's not one no, <laughs> i was going to say one. tape but i've never taped my my peeper down but anyway um you know the drag race family at all um, I know very well what the experience is like um, in mm. America post-drag race. I know fairly well the experience in the UK post-drag race. But what is it like for a drag race queen post-drag race in Australia? How how do you spend your time these days? What's different between pre- and post-drag um, race experience? And... Um, would you do an Australian All Stars or a versus the world? Um, or uh, t- tell us about future prospects you might have your eye on. <laughs> oh, I've got my eye on it all because there's nothing really going on ever in Australia. So it's easy to keep a track of. <laughs> but it was very much like that when we got asked to be on the show because um, it's, it's such a small drag scene. It was the worst kept secret in the entire world because <laughs> they they were like they were like we we only reached out to a hundred of the most prominent drag artists down under and you're like that's all of them that's it that's yeah all. <laughs> we all got an email and we were like we we're all like did you get this <laughs> um, you're all at your no, weekly meeting <laughs> yeah 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 we're all turning up for the, the one club night that happens and we're like everyone we're all disappearing next week. Um, but see, I knew I knew everyone in the cast except for for two people. So I, I'd worked with everyone. I, I I knew them personally, and so when we turned up, it was you know we were all walking in and we we're like, oh, like feigning surprise. <laughs> I didn't know you'd be here. I didn't help you send off your costumes at the post office. I didn't help you stone your outfits. What a surprise! Um, and then when we left, it, it felt like. Um, I, I think audiences change, but, but because there was suddenly a, a buzz around Australian drag, 
okay. where, where general audiences were way more excited to go out and see it. And I think that's the really good thing about Drag Race here is it's re-energised um, the drag industry for everyone. Suddenly mm -hmm. there's more interest in drag shows again. People are coming out. There's new club nights opening. It's just boosted everyone. Like, you you know, you lift everyone up when you rise. Um for us, it was nice. I mean, I get paid more now, which is lovely because I was broke before. I'm still broke now, but I'm less broke than I was. Um, fancy broke. <laughs> fancy broke. Fancy broke. And um, I get the opportunity to, I suppose, reach more people internationally, which is mm -hmm. nice. Um, but I have to say, Australia has always been this country of like tall poppy syndrome um, where they they don't like to celebrate success. If you're mm. like successful and you're Australian, they'll cut you down before they celebrate you. <laughs> and you see it time and time again, people only become famous in Australia once they go overseas and become famous mm. there. Like of all, all of our famous actresses and actors and musicians, they, they had to be famous somewhere else before we paid attention to them here. <laughs> so um, still in some way where people are like, oh yeah, they're, they're our drag race girls, but they're not real drag race girls <laughs> so it's um it's interesting when you walk into a club and and someone's like oh well i'm here to see a drag race girl and i'm like i was on drag race rupaul was there and everything and they were like yeah but it's not real drag race it's pretend <laughs> drag race <laughs> i'm like i've got the trauma it was real to me um but if they did a, a an Australian All Stars or an Australian versus the World or whatever whatever format they're cooking up next, mm -hmm. um, uh, I have no idea. I, I would I would think about it. I'd think about it. I uh, I would want to have the I'd want to have the money. <laughs> I want to have the money to spend on it, and I'd also want to do it at a time where um, I think I knew myself a bit more. I mean, I was twenty two doing the show. I'm twenty four now. I'm still like. I'm still figuring out a lot about myself and my drag and who I am. And I think I'd yeah. want to wait a little bit until I have, I don't know, maybe I'll, I think I'll have more important things to say in a couple of years than I do right now. I, you know, I have to say, I highly recommend waiting 10 years. <laughs> because... Great. I'll take your advice. You see, it seems to be going well for you. So I'll, I'll, I'll take your advice there. <laughs> you know, because I had been doing drag for more or less uh, close to a little over 10 years when I did Drag Race the first time. So I had a really good sense of what I wanted to be as a drag queen, but I don't think I was um, necessarily reaching that objective at all times. You know, like I had a really clear idea of where I wanted to go with drag, but um, season five drag race happened at a time where I was like starting on that journey. And then I just happened to go on at the right time for me. It was the right season for me. And, um, you know, we know how that went. And then I just went back to working really hard afterwards. But of course, a lot of doors were open for me and I was able to work hard in the direction I had always wanted to go. Um, but mm. then 10 years later, I've dealt with so much ups and downs and so much life shit. And there's something about being in your 30s, I have to tell you, like I dreaded being in my 30s when I was in my 20s because I was told like, that's old. <laughs> you know, you're old. You're not young and cute anymore. And then the by the time I hit my 30s, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much better. <laughs> mm. I, I just I love feel getting so older. much more relaxed <laughs> yeah every every year that I I get older I and I because I have lots of friends that are in their 30s I connect I connect really well with um people who I suppose are a little bit older than me because I don't know I I think that I just have a different mindset to a lot of people my age um and I love I love all of my friends who are older than me, we get on like a house on fire. And my friends that are like in their late thirties, early forties, they, they always say like, you've got your one year closer to understanding yourself one year more. And just getting to that point where you're, I, I suppose, more sure of myself. I just felt like, I felt like when I went on drag race, my life was in turmoil. Nothing was set. Nothing was solid. And I, I really hated that for myself. I hated that I went on and I didn't, I felt like I had nothing to grab onto in my life, in, in myself, in my personality. Um, and so I feel like I want to be, I want to get there before I do anything 
where someone puts a camera on you and asks you to talk about yourself ever ever again um yeah I think I'd, I'd feel more comfortable with that but who cares about being comfortable maybe I do need the root shock <laughs> throw me on throw me in throw me in the, the deep end I, I don't know <laughs> You'll do an All Stars in ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we agreed do... today, and we're yes. gonna, I'm going to hold you to that in the future. Yes. <laughs> I'm putting out putting out to the universe. I'd also really like to do one with Rue again. I would really mm-hmm. like to do one with Rue again because um, I felt like I felt like on my season, maybe it's because it was so quick, or maybe I wasn't listening, or I just I never really. I never really kind of clued into the fact that she was actually there. I think my <laughs> mind just just was like, this is all fake. You're not here. None of this is real. You're hallucinating the whole experience and you'll wake up in, in a few months. And I, I want to go back and actually be like, oh, no, these are, these are real people in an actual entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And I can listen and treat it like more of an experience rather than a delusion. <laughs> it was a bit too, <laughs> it was a bit too um, unreal for me to take in, I think, at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I mean, the whole thing is, is so surreal. It makes me think of in acting school, they all, w- one thing that really stuck with me is that the teachers would say, you need to get good at auditioning because auditioning's the weirdest thing that you could ever be. Like, I mean, it's a part of being an actor, but it's also such an unnatural thing. Like go in and sell yourself for five minutes and try to tell them like, A, that you're a joy to work with, B, that you're the best actor, C, that you're the right idea for the character. And also they're judging you and also they're sizing you up and also the way you enter the room and talk to them and say hello and all these little teeny tiny aspects of it. And it all happens so quickly. And it's not natural, you know, it's not natural to have interactions with other humans in that context. So um, I always like kind of appreciated how real my teachers were with me, because I think we get conditioned to think that like um, aspects of our job that are hard, it's like, suck it up and do it because it's it's just part of the work, you know? And maybe we have to do that, but that doesn't mean that we can't like call it what it is, like... You know, drag race is surreal. It's Mm. surreal to 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 compete for uh, to compete with an art form. You know, (laughs) like take something as subjective and as open to interpretation as art, and then um, and then enter it into a race. Especially when it's like so many different, it's like, it's like someone who is a painter competing with a sculptor, competing with a contemporary dancer, like the drag is so different. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, how can you compare me to that person? Like I I do a completely different thing. Um, So I'm, I, I always, I always actually have a lot of respect for how they can manage to put it all together into a show that makes any sense for people to watch <laughs> because sometimes I'm like none of this should like how can how can you put like a trained like a trained comedian in the same room with a trained dancer and say and now you are going to be judged equally it doesn't make any <laughs> sense from a perspective but they make it they make it entertaining to watch so I guess they know what they're doing um but yeah I I'm I would wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and be like Am I still there? It was that a dream, or am I actually here? Was it real? <laughs> what is real? I wish I could comment on it, but they men and blacked me right after we finished filming All Stars. They, you know, took me. <laughs> yeah, you're still... uh, yeah. I, I I'm remembering things for the. I'm like, oh, that happened. <laughs> no, um, no, it was just. It was such a. What I would say is, um, you know, we talked about knowing yourself differently, um, you know, maturity differences between your 20s and your 30s, all of that. But there's also just something about doing it again that I'll say, like, there's an ease and there's a familiarity about doing it again. And then some of those girls were there for their third time. They were walking in like they... 
they're like, hey, Shirley, how's the kids? You know? Like, <laughs> I'm like, Shirley. They're like a little, a little station they can dust off and they're like, you know, putting up their little little things. Like their shoe marks are in the floor already. Like, yeah, I feel like it would be very comforting to to slot back into the machine if you'd done it a few times. Um, and also I'm just much better now after all of the media training and going mm-hmm. and doing interviews and being in in you know strange situations with strangers on tour and all of these things that all of those little things that were stressing me out the first time like traveling internationally and having to be in a hotel room and yeah. doing quarantine now all of those things I'm like done it that's out yeah. of the way whereas when I was doing it, that was the first time I'd done any of that um yeah. The the media training, the social media whirlwind that happens post Drag Race. You know, I didn't even have an Instagram before I I went on Drag Race, and my manager was like, "You should get an Instagram." And I, <laughs> <laughs> I um, it, it's just, and it's and it happens overnight, and it happens like just so rapidly, and I have to say, I'm um. You know, I'm having a much better time, I think, this time because I'm I, I've set up certain things for myself in my life to be making sure that I'm still taking care of myself as a human being, as well as being, you know, the most effective um drag entertainer I can be at this point in my my life. So I highly encourage you, should you feel um should you feel the yen someday? Should the door open, wait 10 years, and then give it a shot? <laughs> you, you, got two, <laughs> you got two years done. Yeah, I've got Just two years. Just eight more years, et cetera. <laughs> I'll hope that the sea level doesn't rise to the point where there's no studio left for me to compete in. Um, yeah, look, in 10 years, who knows? I might be an accountant. Um, that, might be, that might be fierce. But you kind of were on to something there for a second. RuPaul's Drag Race, Waterworld. <laughs> and she'd love that. She would <laughs> she love that. Waterworld. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think, I, think, um, I think Drag Race should become more and more dangerous. I think um, when you enter, there's like some obstacle you have to like life or death situation, like shoot arrows at you and you have to deflect it. Um, <laughs> instead, of an, instead of an elimination, I think they should just really kill, kill the person that loses the lip sync. It it's would, just uh, getting it closer would... and closer to Hunger Games, huh? Mm, Chad it would Michaels cut down on right. production costs. She saw it coming for for years. We <laughs> yeah. all laughed at her. But here we are. Maybe yeah, on to be game. ever in. Do you remember that <laughs> yeah. season one of All Chanel, Stars? Her and Chanel sitting there. And, and Chanel's Chad, like, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Clearly hadn't seen the film. And yeah. Chad Michaels, every chance she got, may the odds be ever in your favor, ladies. And it's just like, <laughs> they're sitting down to lunch and she's like, Oh, this chicken looks a little pink. Well, may the odds be ever <laughs> in your favor. <laughs> uh, well, um, let's see. You're in Sydney, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You gonna yeah. Come to, You want to come to mine and Dale's show when we're in Sydney? Yeah, I, I really want to. It's <laughs> You're on, like, is it oh, this... Jinx. I, uh, oh, my God. I actually, I'd love to, but um, yeah, I'm sure I have a, a meeting that day. <laughs> I've got to wrestle a kangaroo. Um, it's, <laughs> I've got a spider. I've got a catch. Um, no, I really, I really, really want to. It's on We're Saturday. We're there on the 30th. Yeah. You know, just um, hit me up. I got some connections. <laughs> I'll pull some strings for you. <laughs> I think you know the girls that might be performing. Maybe there might be a familiar a connection there. I love that. Sometimes people come up to um me out of drag, and I'm I'm with my partner, and they'll talk to my partner, Ooh. thinking, "Oh, sorry, yes, I am. I'm I'm betrothed." Um, no, but they talk to my partner out of drag, thinking that they're me. Um, because we, we're both, I don't know, we don't look similar at all, but I guess people see me and somehow they, but that happens quite a bit. They go up to my partner and like, et cetera. I love your work. Um, I love this. I love that. And I love to chime in like, oh yeah, they're, they're amazing. They're fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, we don't look at all similar, but people always confuse us. And it's a nice moment of anonymity for me. <laughs> that, that's just something that happens. There have been times where uh, I, I think, 
synapses are firing quickly. They're hearing like, oh, that's Jinx over there. And then they walk over and they find the person who most looks like an out of drag <laughs> drag queen, you know, and maybe they've forgotten what I've looked like or I'm kind of happy I did all stars because now people will stop like when they meet me in person going, what happened? I was watching you on TV yesterday and you're a little spry young twink. And now, <laughs> now look what we've got, I guess. This is, no, I think it's, I think it's important. I think I want to be as, I want to be as physically different as I was to me. I was the most unhappy with how I ever looked in my whole life when I did Drag Race. Every time I see myself in the workroom, I'm like, oh, my God, I just look so not like me. Um, so I think it's powerful to change physically. Maybe I'll maybe I'll change species um, <laughs> by the next time I go on. I think that will be a great a great moment in the Drag Race, Kenan, the first the first human animal hybrid to walk into the workroom. You know, I I never really saw the film. I was a kid. I think I saw bits and pieces of the island of Dr. Moreau. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm I've not recommending this movie. It's just about a, <laughs> some doctor splices humans with animals. And I don't know. Um, Simpsons, I love did a, <laughs> Simpsons did a parody of it for a Treehouse of Horror. Um, I have often thought if I were to be a hybrid sp spliced with an animal, what animal would it be? And of course I want to say cheetah, but I'm like honest with myself and I know it's llama. Like, <laughs> I know it's going to be like a docile mm. farm animal. <laughs> but a good spit, a wonderful spit. They can really <laughs> it up. Um, I'd want to be with a bird. I'd want to be, I'd ah, want to be some bird, bird hybrid. I'd want to fly. Um, if you had to compete against any animal on drag race, um, <laughs> you were just there. And there was an animal. What animal would you choose to compete against? Same challenges. It's just, it's an animal. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, um, I don't know. I'm going to say like a, a fucking a turtle. <laughs> Very slow. Like a would giant take a long time to walk tortoise. the runway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People would just be sick of it by the end of the season. <laughs> mm, I think what I'd want to pick an animal with the... Uh, smallest lips possible so when it's lip syncing they would be like doesn't know the words doesn't know Does the it, words she did not prepare for this evening she prepare. doesn't want it she doesn't want it bad enough <laughs> yeah maybe like a slug i i don't think like a slug would be super compelling on drag race i think the walkthroughs would be a bit dull but um if they had a slime category girl she's got us out out, out right <laughs> the, slime <category>. <laughs> <laughs> the slime ball <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also want to congratulate you on walking in Australian Fashion Week. What's it like walking a fashion week? Uh, what's oh it like tromping a runway in front of an audience and not just four judges making puns? <laughs> well, I was like, when's the audience going to start making jokes about the outfit? Um, look, it was actually, it was really stressful because I am, I am a, you know, five foot ten, hairy Lebanese trans person um, who feels really sometimes insecure about their bodies. And I was backstage with all these like six foot beautiful cis women that were like looked like they were sculpted from like marble. And I was standing there in drag, just feeling like I felt really out of place for the first time in a long time. Um, mm. But then, as soon as I was like in it. It felt really freeing to then occupy that space. Mm -hmm. um, but I couldn't, I don't think I could do it as, as, as a job. I see the, I see the drag race girls that go on to fashion and they like walk mm -hmm. in runways and do it. It was, oh my God, just, I think the nair that I used to remove the hair from my body <laughs> for, was, uh, I used half of Australia's supply. Um, and uh, it just, it, it's a very stressful world. Fashion is mm -hmm. very stressful and um, everyone there is, serious and no one laughs at anything and i, I that's not for me <laughs> that's not for me <laughs> oh well you know know thyself uh say la vie etc etc anyway i had to do it once i had to do it you once. had, had to, to you had to i was waiting i was waiting you know all oh. my friends they can't they can't say etc in conversation anymore <laughs> I, I think i've i think i've ruined the vocabulary of so many it people because that's, yeah I, it's like bloody mary and then i'm there yeah i have to tell you 
I missed, I had this joke. I knew I wanted to make this joke. I didn't care how stupid it was. And I knew once the moment presented itself, it was going to be so perfect. And then the moment presented itself and I missed it. I just let it pass by. And then I realized that was your moment and it was too late. I couldn't go back. But I was in Wellington, New Zealand. And I brought up that I had just been in Auckland the night before. This is on the tour Dale and I are doing right now. And I went, we were just in Auckland last night and the audience starts booing. And it was my chance to go, why are you booing? What's your beef, Wellington? (laughs) And I missed it. I missed it. It was there for a split second and I let it pass me by. And now you'll have to recreate that exact I know, I'm gonna, next I'm time gonna, you go back. You gotta book me back in Wellington, New Zealand. I have to come back and you'll make the joke and then back on the plane. It just <laughs> just immediately leave. Um, that is such that is such a good that is such a good joke. Do you do you have that in America where people in certain cities hate people in other cities? Is that a thing? Is that a oh, common yeah, thing? Yeah. Okay, good. Because it's really common here in Australia. Sydney and Melbourne have this massive rivalry. I know about the the Melbourne, Sydney, Melbourne. Um, Seattle and Portland are kind of like that. But then also Seattle and Portland, like there's so much back and forth there. You know, it's funny. It's like, it's a little bit, it's the trifecta of Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco. They're like the three sisters in the Brady Bunch. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy. See, Sydney just sucks so much that um, people from <laughs> Melbourne hate Sydney, but then quite often people from Sydney also agree. Um, like my friends in Melbourne are like, Sydney's awful. It's it's horrible. I hate it. And I'm like, yeah, it's not the best sometimes. <laughs> so it's like a one-sided rivalry. And I appreciate that. I just... Uh, I think it's. I think we should get rid of competition and just have hate. I think there yeah. should be more hate in the world. Well, <laughs> I think you're going to get your wish. <laughs> I think you're getting your wish. Thank God. Thank God. I've been waiting <laughs> so long. I've been waiting. <laughs> I have compulsory questions that I ask every guest of mine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, are you ready to answer them? Uh, yeah, well, I have no other choice, do I? I guess I have to. Here we well, go. I mean, you could just sit there silently. You could end the Zoom call. You could bring this whole interview to a <laughs> screeching halt. Um, Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. I've had a blast. <laughs> no. I, I'm excited because I think this is my opportunity to really um, operate well inside a framework. This is like drag race all over again. <laughs> this good. is your chance to, re- this is your final chance to impress me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is compulsory questions for your life um yeah give them to me i'm ready i've never been ready who's your celebrity crush today oh i this is actually a really well-timed question okay my celebrity crush today just for her energy and i saw a video of her um in the rain drew barrymore Oh my god, i am i feel like i genuinely feel so happy and also, it's it's kind of like a primal, like, oh, my God, I, she's just so, like, pretty and happy. Oh, I love Drew, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore has, she's remarkable for how long she's lived in the public eye. And the fact that now she's at this place where she can find a window <laughs> in her the apartment. A window behind the, behind the wall. And it transforms her whole life. <laughs> She was like, I knew there was going to be a window behind there. I just knew it. I was like, you are I'm remarkable. Really appreciative of this window. Um, I don't do oh a good Drew Barrymore. <laughs> no, neither do I. I'm terrible. at. I'm awful at impressions. But she is, at the moment for me, the one. The one. She's love. The one. Love her. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I'm trying to think of my celebrity crush. Yeah, who, who have you got on the burner right now? Who's my celebrity crush today? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so mixed up. I'm so underslept and overfed. You know, on well, travel. Who's, who's, who's your Australian celebrity crush? Who's your Australian... favorite Australian celebrity? 
who even is Australian? Oh, you know, um, who's the one who plays Thor? Which Hemsworth is that? That 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 would be Chris Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. I'll say yeah. Chris Hemsworth, but only as Thor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, we we like loved him for a while, but there's another Hemsworth brother, Liam. He dated Miley Cyrus, and everyone loved him. But then there was weirdness around that. So I think we're back to Chris being the favorite Hemsworth. And isn't there a Hemsworth that's not famous at all? Isn't there one yeah, that's just like a doctor? <laughs> there's a third Hemsworth. And to be honest, I'd rather be him. I think he has. I think he has more of a mysterious, alluring energy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. What if that's um um what if he's a late in life Hemsworth? You know, like like Elizabeth mm. Olsen really took her time to incubate before she took over. <laughs> Maybe it's like mid sixties, um the perfect pick for like a slow burn like Scandinavian crime thriller with an Australian <laughs> detective lead, you know, walking through being like Crikey, what have we got here? Another murder in Sweden. <laughs> Detective yeah. Hemsworth. And it's him Detective as Hemsworth. himself. <laughs> yeah, it's him as, as himself. It's him as himself, but also he has like a, he carries a hammer as like just a reference to his brother's work. <laughs> um, my next question for you is, are you spiritual? No. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't, that's it. That, that's it. <laughs> I like to. I like to give the moment. You know, like let it have it take its space. Um, you're not the first person just to say no. Um, mm. I feel like this question. It's so funny because very few people just say no. A lot of people will say no because and kind of explain they're falling out with spirituality, or they'll say yes, but then they want to like you know, assure me that it's not like, um, you know, um, organized spirituality, which is so <laughs> problematic in so many ways. And you're like, I'm not in a cult. I just want to assure you I'm not in a cult. And you're like, do you keep saying this? This is just sounding like we're in a cult. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's, um, it's, uh, I, uh, it's a question we've always had here on hijinks. And it's funny because it's like, I don't practice any organized religion, but I talk a lot about what like gets me through my days. And so my spirituality is like, you know, one part science, one part witchcraft, one part um, intensive therapy. <laughs> mm, mm. No, I, I, I prefer, I think I, I think I just prefer to, to be here. I think that's enough for me yeah. just to be here at face value. Sometimes that's, that's... enough for me. That's great. Okay. I like to okay, I like Sartre. to smell. Okay, I like Camus. to smell. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am the next great philosopher. Um, um, no, I, I just love to smell and 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 see and hear and taste and touch. That sounds disgusting, but sometimes I just like to be present, and that's enough for me. I don't need like other reasons for it. That's great. Um, I have to have three reasons at once at any given moment. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know what? That's good as well. It's good as well. Uh, my final question for you is: What is your go-to karaoke song? Okay, this is this is going to be crazy, but I've never done karaoke. You said you're 24 I, and you've never done yeah, karaoke. I've never done karaoke. Not I've even never... like at someone's house. No, no, I've never done karaoke ever, ever. It's not something no. I've ever been invited to. Maybe I just don't have karaoke viable friends. But can I say what I think it would be? What I think it would be? Yes, please. I, I think it would be Fading Like a Flower by Roxette. I'm not even familiar. I'm sorry. Is that oh, it's, a... A, it's a really good 80s power ballad. And um, Oh, that's why. <laughs> maybe 90s. Maybe 90s. Maybe 90s. Anyway, it's very good and it's bad and it's good and there's a key change <laughs> and you, you couldn't possibly sing along. I've actually got it right here on a tape cassette because it's one of my favorite songs <laughs> of all time. Um, <laughs> but it's really good. It's really good. You know it if you heard it. It's um, okay. Um, but yeah, I'd probably sing that. But maybe I need to do karaoke. Someone needs to invite me. If anyone's listening that wants to invite me to a karaoke, I'll come along. 
You're in Sydney. Sydney. In Sydney. 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 Do you know? Um, so in um, <laughs> hold on. Let me finish the episode, and then I'll tell you about this like long drawn out story about a theory for where the Australian dialect originated. <laughs> no, I I'm like that's that's quality content. Why would anyone not want to hear that? <laughs> maybe. Maybe I saved the history of phonetics lesson for <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> oh my God. I'm such a nerd, but thank you so much, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> thank you for having um, me. It's been wonderful. It's been lovely chatting with you. And I can't wait um, now that I've bullied you into coming in, uh, coming to my show in Sydney um, with Dela. I can't wait to meet you in person and then... Um, you know, see how much of this has been true and how much was just a facade that you put on for podcasts. It's all a facade. To be honest, I'm, I'm going to disappoint. It's all a facade. I'm not actually here. It's You're just a bunch a, of. It's, a, it's been a cardboard cutout the whole time. Yeah. It's a bunch of roaches in a skin suit just like scuttling around under here. None of it's real. I can't. Glamour I can't bug. She said it. She said it. She brought up roaches. I said, I said a tagline thing. Whoa, three points for me. <laughs> well, okay. Where can my listeners find you, follow you? Um, what would you like them to know about? What are you working on? What's getting your engine a locomotive? locomoting locomoting what's getting your engine locomoting these days <laughs> um you can find me on instagram at etc etc um the full <laughs> word not abbreviated um i'm at glamabug <laughs> on twitter and i am available in real life at multiple different venues and shows and activities um mm-hmm. you can check my website all my socials and it all has it there i mean i don't really i have so much to plug but i also have nothing to plug because um <laughs> i'm successful and people come to my things regardless um but if you want to come you want to find me and come to my show i'll be i'll be really nice to you in person i promise um so i guess that's the plug that's the plug (laughs) i hate i hate promoting stuff i hate promoting stuff because i'm like if you want to come come if you don't i don't know i don't know what to tell you (laughs) i worked as a marketing manager for a few years and and i i I don't think i was a fit because i was just like (laughs) It's up to you. <laughs> it's really up to you. You want people to have agency. Um, mm. I always like to say at the end of my shows, um, we say, if you liked it, tell a friend. If you hated it, tell an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> and tell your enemy to sit up close because I'll probably um, tease them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it has been an absolute delight. Oh, and, you know, to, uh, to piggyback off of what you're saying, it's like, can't people just... Like, you want to know what I'm doing? Google it. It'll probably come up right away. Google also, Dukes, Oh, Portland. my God. It's so... The number of people... I just finished a national tour, which would be the thing that I wanted to promote, but it's over, so I can't. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, but the number one thing that would happen, we would leave a city after weeks and weeks of promoting it all out to sell it. And then a week afterwards, someone would message and be like, I had no idea you were here. Oh, I had, I, I, I'm a massive fan of yours. I can't believe you were, you were in my city. And I'm like, we were, it was in the newspaper, it was on the radio, it was on my social media. How could you miss it? It's remarkable. Um, Dela was posting we're on our way to Australia. Can't wait to do an Australian tour in Australia. See you soon, Australia. And one of the first comments was, come to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and selective selective listening and, and, and comprehension. I will never understand it. It drives me nuts sometimes. But oh, well, people, I love people wandering through their own lives and just choosing to take in stuff. Um and I like when finally me and people's paths intersect and they're like, I've been trying to see you for, for months. I'm like, well, I've been here for months, but I'm glad <laughs> you finally found me. Well, now that they've heard you on this podcast, I'm sure that you'll have tens of twenties of more people. <laughs> Maybe even one. Each- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a l- delight getting to know you and, um, 
Remember, I've known you longer than your daughter. Oh my god, I, that is true. <laughs> that's a line from AbFab that I love to end conversations mm. with, and it like ninety percent of the time just sucks the air out out of the room. But um, nevertheless, it's <laughs> my favorite line from AbFab is: "A woman can never have too many gloves, hats, or shoes." That's my favorite line. Patsy says it when she's on morning TV trying to give advice about fashion. A woman can never have too many hats, gloves, or shoes. It's true. Just those three items. Just those three. Thank you so much for being my guest today, et cetera, et cetera. Watch out thank for you. spiders. And thank Watch you out. all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. Oh. Mom! To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.